as we're looking at Paul encouraging Timothy about what sets him apart from the false teachers that we've been looking at lately. And it starts right off, you're going to see verse 14 starts off, but you, it doesn't matter what all these other people in the world are doing, but you, Timothy, you're going to be different, something different. Let's look at it. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you this morning. We thank you for giving us another day. We thank you for bringing us here safely. We thank you for blessing us with your word and all the encouragement that it contains. Help us to look at it and to use it as a mirror to see how we can become more like you. Don't let us walk away from it unchanged, as James says. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So as I say, today we're looking at another one of Paul's encouragements to Timothy about what sets him apart from the world around him. And like so many other times we've seen, when Paul's making a comparison of this, this is what the guys in the world look like, but you do something different. We've seen Paul use this phrase, but you, several times already. Most recently, we saw him use it in verse 10, just a couple of weeks ago. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Uh, if you read through the book of Romans, you'll see him use the same term over and over as well. He, he uses it in chapter 11, verse 17, 11, verse 20, 14, 10. He uses it all the time. That's not all the times. But here, he's addressing Timothy personally and particularly. In the book of Romans, he was addressing the whole church of Rome. Here, he's talking, you, Timothy, do something different. Sorry, Charlie, I singled you right out, but you're right in front of me. Uh, he's looking at one guy, one individual particularly, and he gives very specific advice to him. You, Timothy, continue. You continue. Now, that's a form of a Greek word, meno, uh, which is sometimes translated as remain or abide. We see it all the time as abide, uh, or he, as here it says continue. This word's used in one form or another 17 times in the New Testament. We see it all over the place. It's translated different ways. Uh, but basically the idea is abide, stay right there. So when Paul tells Timothy to continue, what does that imply? Somebody help me out here. Bingo, there you go. It implies that he's already involved in doing something. So we need to find out what that something is, right? What is it that he's already doing? Fortunately for us, Paul explains it very clearly. He needs to continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Now, the word translated learned here is a form of the very same word that we often see translated disciple. 
So continue in the things that you've been discipled in. Paul uses the same form of this word in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, where he says, Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which thou hast learned. He also uses it in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20, where he says, But ye have not so learned Christ. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 9, he uses the same word to say, Those things which thou hast both learned and received and seen in me do. Do you see the picture? These things that have been continually drilled into you through discipleship, studying from another person, each one of those times, it's describing a disciple following the lifestyle of his teacher every single time. So, let's bring it around to what we're talking about here. Timothy, continue in those things that you've learned, what you've been discipled. You've been following me now for some 10 years at least, Timothy, possibly up to 20 years, Timothy. Stick to it. Stick to it. Now, Jesus, of course, is the master teacher of the New Testament era. Uh, I don't think anybody would argue with me there. But the early church really flourished because of the apostles and because of the early church leaders who continued following this plan of teaching, which they learned from Jesus. <clears throat> teaching the truths of the... So what was Jesus' teaching style? He taught the truth of the gospel through daily living, didn't he? Jesus just wandered from the top of Israel to the bottom of Israel and back, zigzagging side to side, doing daily life. Hey, we're going to the temple today. Hey, there's a guy at the temple. He needs to be healed. All right, boys, let's learn a lesson here. That's how Jesus lived his life. That's what discipleship is. It's not working through a, okay, we got, it, what is done as a discipleship program is nothing more than a catechism. Call it what you will, it's a catechism. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be showing one another through our daily life how we're supposed to be a disciple of Christ. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But did you know that a true Christian must never outgrow the need to be reminded of the very basic necessity of the gospel in our lives? We should never walk away from that. We cannot lose sight of it. We've got to keep coming around to the basics of the gospel. Now, Timothy has not only learned, but he's been assured of these things as well. Did you notice that? Continue in those things which thou hast learned, discipleship, and hast been assured of. He's been brought to the full height of faith on these things. He is assured. He's solid on this. We'll see when we get to the next verse that Paul realizes that the real agent that brought this confidence assurance is the Word of God at work in Timothy's mind and heart. We're going to get there in just a, just a minute or two. Give me a, just, give me a little bit of time. But the goal of the gospel message is not to give anybody more information. We're not sharing the gospel to give somebody more information. Rather, to bring genuine assurance in their life. That's the goal. That's what Luke was writing about in Luke chapter 1 and verse 4 when he said that thou mightst know the certainty of these things 
Let's, let's actually turn back to that one. That's uh, one of those interesting times where Luke, Luke says it in both Luke and Acts. Here's why I'm writing this to you, Theophilus. Let's have a reminder here, because we tend to skip over this little passage. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 1 down to verse 4. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. The whole reason Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke is to make Theophilus know for certain that this Christ that he's now following is the Christ. That's the whole reason for the book of Luke. Did you know that the book of Luke wasn't written to a group of people? It was written to one person? Just like the book of Timothy wasn't written to a church, it was written to Timothy. These are things to pay attention to. Now, the verb form, back to 2 Timothy chapter, 14, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, this verb form of the word assurance here is pesteu. And this is the only time it's ever used in the New Testament in this form. We see it in many other forms, many other places, but this is the only time it's ever used in this form, assurance. Uh, notice, as we're looking at this, that Timothy's discipleship and Timothy's assurance comes from several sources. Did you see that? Back to verse 14. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Many people, including Paul, have been instrumental in explaining and confirming Timothy's faith. Many people. In the next verse, verse 15, I'm getting there in a minute, Paul's going to mention Timothy's early childhood, which of course is going to remind us of his mother and his grandmother, who we, re uh, we read about in chapter 1, verse 5. Let's back up. It's the same book. It's in our context. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. See, Eunice and Lois had been a major part in Timothy's early biblical education. Now, Paul, of course, had been Timothy's mentor for many years, at least 10, probably closer to 20. Let's say 15. We'll settle in the middle, right? Uh, Timothy has been following Paul around for some 15 years, probably. Now, for each and every one of us, if we really think back, there are multiple people who have been influential in our Christian growth, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean that Timothy, or any other Christian for that matter, is supposed to be a mere mindless imitator of someone else's beliefs. Somebody may have had an influence on my life. I shouldn't just be imitating them. But all too often, that's the case with Christians, isn't it? They haven't really grown in their own faith. 
And what ends up happening is as a result, they just kind of copy their teacher the same way that a parrot can be taught to talk. The parrot doesn't understand what he's saying any more than these people really understand what they're saying. You know the types. Don't make me point them out. You recognize these people right off the bat. Uh, because they're the ones who, when somebody that they work with asks them a question about the gospel, they can't answer. And instead they say, let me introduce you to my pastor. He'll help you. That hadn't ought to be the case. That means they haven't grown, you haven't grown in your own faith. If that's you, you haven't grown in your own faith. You're just a parrot, and you don't even know what you're saying. Or, uh, God forbid, they don't have the confidence to lead somebody to the Lord. They don't have the confidence to lead somebody to the Lord. They need their pastor to do that for them, too. Don't laugh because I've seen it, and shamefully I've seen it in this very church. Now, the teaching that Paul says Timothy has learned is not something mystical. It's the same basic gospel truths which have guided the church for some 2,000 years now. Do you know them? I hope you do. If you don't have the confidence to lead somebody to Christ, all right, have you come to Christ yourself? If you've come to Christ yourself, then you know the way to Christ. Show someone else that way. It's no more complicated than that. Verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, this verse right here gives a second part of why Timothy should continue in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. The second part. Now, the first was that he knew those things, he knew whom he had received those things from the quality of their lives, the fruitfulness of their ways. They'd all had an impact on Timothy, you see. But the second reason Paul lists is that he's already known the Holy Scriptures. Timothy, you already know the Holy Scriptures, it says. And it says that he's known them from a child. That literally means from infancy. In fact, some Bibles translate it that way, and I don't think they're far off. From infancy, Timothy, you have known this. Now, as we've already mentioned, Timothy was raised by his Jewish mother and grandmother. We saw that, chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, as well as, if you want a backstory on Timothy, when Timothy started working with Paul, read the book of Acts. Acts, chapter 16, verse 1. From that point on, Timothy was working with Timothy. Uh, yeah, Timothy was working with Paul until Paul died. Started in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Now, as growing up as a uh, young Jewish boy, young Jewish boys would begin their instruction in the Torah at five years old. That's pretty much from infancy. Uh, so at five years old, they start instruction in the Torah. And they'd continue studying nothing but the Old Testament until they were 13. 
when they become bar mitzvah. You become a son of the law at 13. Now you can study a trade. But from 5 to 13, you study nothing but the law of Moses. And notice what this training did for Timothy. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Does anybody here want to be wise? Or does anybody here want to be wiser than they are right now? Then get in the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. Now, Timothy has been an example of that power. He has been trained in the Word of God from his childhood. And Paul's just reminding him of that. Paul's not teaching him anything new right now. He's just reminding him, Timothy, you know this. You've studied it since you were a baby. So, what does Paul mean when he says that Timothy's been trained in the Holy Scriptures? He means the teachings of Jesus, right? He means the teachings of Paul, right? No. No. Timothy was a grown man in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, when he met Paul. From a baby, he was taught things that he hadn't learned from Paul. He's talking about the Old Testament. Study the Old Testament. That is the only way you are going to be wise. I've heard people in this very church say that they don't want to read the Old Testament or that they don't want to read the prophets, and that's foolish. The Torah is the law, the books of Moses. The prophets give the history and the heritage of the Jewish people. The Psalms give the glory and majesty of God himself. The Proverbs give practical wisdom on living everyday life. Study them, and you will be well on your way to learning the wisdom of God. That's why the Old Testament is full of commands for God's people to study them, too. Did you know that? Let's look at a couple of them, shall we? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. We're commanded to study the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 7. I can't really turn there with one hand. God says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou, sittest, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That's just following the Shema, the great Shema passage of uh, Deuteronomy. Go, uh, let's go over to uh, Psalm 71. Psalm 71 and verse 17. O Lord, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. God teaching him from his youth. Let's go skip down to uh, verse 78, uh, chapter 78, verses 5 and 6.
pages are sticking together here. There we go. 78, 5 and 6. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their own children. Do we wonder why the children of America don't know the word of God? Because we haven't been teaching it to them, have we? Why have we not been teaching it? Because we're not studying it ourselves. If we're wondering why the world is the way it is, it's our own fault. That's sobering, isn't it? Now, Paul knew the importance of this study in his own life. As we read about his own upbringing, you want to read a little bit about Paul's own upbringing? Let's go to Acts chapter 22 and verse 3. This is Paul. He's in Jerusalem under trial, and he's rehearsing his own life. All right? Just to give us a little bit of backstory. Uh, actually, I'm going to uh, begin the beginning of his testimony in verse 1. He says, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear you my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye are, all are this day. That's Paul in Jerusalem saying, you know me, I am a Jew. Yes, I was born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but I was raised in Jerusalem. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. By the way, that's why I believe that Paul was one of the people in the crowd that said, crucify him. Gamaliel was one of the Sanhedrin. Gamaliel was one of the Sanhedrin. Paul was Gamaliel's disciple. When Gamaliel stood there and said, crucify him, Paul was right there beside him. That's sobering to think about, too, when you realize how far Paul has come. Things that aren't quite written in the Bible that you've got to study and think of. See, God's written word is foundational to waking God's people up in their faith and carrying them through the difficulties and trials of life. Are you having trouble? Are you having difficulty in life? Wouldn't hurt to have more of God's Word in your life. But the Word of God doesn't promise to make you an astrophysicist. I mean, it says that it's going to make you wise. It's not going to make you an astrophysicist or anything like that. It says, what does it say? Which is able to make thee wise unto salvation. Wise unto salvation. Do you know that this wisdom unto salvation is the only true wisdom? The word wise here is a form of the Greek word. You know this Greek word. I'm going to give it to you right now. Sophizo. You've heard it before, haven't you? Sophistication. That's our word. That's wise. The only other time it's used in the New Testament is in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. Let's look at it. If it's the only other place, we better look at it. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. 
For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but are eyewitnesses of his majesty. Con cunningly devised, sophizo. See, Paul knew that the wisdom of God meant in a very dramatic fashion. He knew what the wisdom of God meant in a very dramatic fashion. Because Paul, when he was saved, anybody remember how Paul was saved? Somebody lay it on me. Paul was saved. He was hunting Christians down on his way to Damascus, right? He was on his way to Damascus. Noontime, the light so strong it knocked him off his donkey. The light knocked him off his donkey. And he fell there staring into the sky and Jesus spoke to him. Je and Paul continued going into Damascus, right? And he stayed there for three days, right? And he was blind. And when Ananias came and brought the gospel to him, what happened? Scales fell off of his eyes. That is a dramatic wisdom of God. Now, Paul, if anybody had known the word of God, it was Paul. He studied at Gamaliel's feet. He'd been bar mitzvahed. He's an adult man. He was so passionate for the word of God, he was hunting Christians whom he believed to be blasphemers. He knew the word of God. But until this wisdom of salvation came and scales fell from his eyes, now he is changed. Very dramatic fashion. It may not be as dramatic for you or I. I didn't have scales literally fall from my eyes when I got saved, and your salvation may be different than mine. And I guarantee it's different than Paul's. But this wisdom of salvation doesn't just come from information, you see, and it doesn't just come from mysteries contained in the Word of God. Notice how it does come. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The truths of the Old Testament will point out to you that the only way of salvation is to place your faith in Christ Jesus. That's what verse 15 is really saying. And Timothy had learned that from a child. Have you? I hope every one of us here has. Do you mind if I close this in a word of prayer?